Hey there, welcome to Drawing It Up, Free Agency Edition. I'm your host, Nick Demento, and on the Free Agency Edition, we're taking a deep dive into the 2020 offseason and to what your team can do to make themselves better, put themselves in a greater position, not only for next season, but for the future. And today, I'm going to be looking at one of the most prestigious, one of the most successful franchises in modern NBA history. Today, I'm going to be looking at the San Antonio Spurs. Now, this is a unique offseason and a unique time for Spurs fans, because if you're about my age, say you're in your 20s, early 30s, you're not used to the current position of the Spurs, because for the first time in 22 years, they actually missed the playoffs this season. Now, the first thing I want to do is commend the Spurs because that's an absolutely obnoxious playoff streak and it just shows how structured, how stable that organization is and just how much their formula really works. But at the same time, it really shows the volatility of this league that a franchise that is so stable, so consistent about winning can fall short sometimes. And this can happen to any team in the league, especially with the shortness of contracts in the NBA, the player mobility today, you can go from a championship roster to bottom of the league very quickly. Now that is far from saying the Spurs are definitely not the bottom of the league. They're just in a different position, one that they're not used to. They're not used to having to fight their way into the playoffs. They're used to being a consistent and an opponent that everyone's looking out for in the playoffs. But now it's time for Greg Popovich, it's time for R.C. Buford to take a look at the franchise and try to pivot, try to adjust for the future and see how they can build this roster to potentially going on another run like they've gone on for the past 20 or so years. So with that said, let's take a look at their current salary cap situation. Now, it's recently been confirmed that the salary cap for the 2020-21 season will be about $109 million. So for a quick review, if you're an NBA team, you can only sign a player if you are below the salary cap or if you have a necessary exception to the salary cap if you want to sign a guy for over that. And as of now, it looks like the Spurs are definitely going to have to be looking for these exceptions, these little paths here and there to get around the salary cap if they want to make some changes to the roster. Because currently, they have about $120 million in guaranteed money for next season. But the really interesting thing about the Spurs salary cap situation is what happens after this season. Because after this season, the Spurs are only set to pay about $26 million on the salary cap. And that's if they pick up three player options. So as of right now, the only players, if the Spurs made no changes whatsoever, the only players that would even be on the roster would be one, DeJounte Murray with about $15 million. Two, Keldon Johnson, if the Spurs choose to pick up his player option. Three, Lucas Simonic, same deal if they choose to pick up his player option. And four, Lonnie Walker, additionally have to pick up a player option. Now, some fans may look at that and be like, oh my God, we have so much cap space, we can sign anybody. This is actually a very, very dangerous position for NBA teams to be in. Because while we know a lot about the salary cap in the NBA, the maximum that you can pay your roster, there is also a salary cap floor. So there is a minimum that you have to pay your roster. And when you have a team that's going into a free agency or an offseason, 
with a lot of ground to cover to meet that salary cap floor, a lot of agents start kind of circling like vultures around the team or like like an animal that's about to fall down. Because they know that when a team has too much salary cap and that they need to spend money, that's when they're going to sign a okay player or subpar player to way more than that player is worth. They are going to try to maximize their client's earning potential because they know that when they go to the bargaining table, that the Spurs have to pay somebody or else they're going to be penalized just like you would be if you went over the salary cap. And this can be something that when you're already a rebuilding kind of team or a team looking towards the future, this can cause you to sign a guy that you really do not need to be signing for a long term or for more than he needs to be paid. So one of the priorities for the Spurs going into this next season should be that they want to add more salary cap for the future. They want to add more contracts, different contracts that last into the future to protect themselves from kind of being etched into a corner. This also means that the entire roster is up in the air, and that's genuinely, that's not good for an NBA team. You need to have some certainty about what your roster is looking like moving forward, other than for, while promising young players, they are just for young players. But if the Spurs can really play this right with this amount of cap space, this much of flexibility, They can really take this time to pivot and really look towards the future. And that's where I think the Spurs should be looking. With the Western Conference set to be an absolute bloodbath over the next couple of years, I think the Spurs should gear their focus towards development of young guys, hoping that by the time guys like LeBron are out of the league, by the time Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, all these guys are getting older and are almost out of the league, you're the next man up. You are right alongside the Mavericks of the world with Luka Doncic, wherever Giannis Antetokounmpo goes, the Pelicans with Zion Williamson. You are right alongside those teams and ready to compete for a title because of you have already spent that time developing your roster. And by the time all those guys are aging and out of the league, your team is in their prime and ready to fight. Now, how you're going to be able to do this is to value your younger players now versus some of the older guys that, while they might be better right now, you want to take the time, you want to give as much opportunity to these young guys during the season to develop, to really flourish. And that may mean sacrificing winning in the short term, but in the long term, it really will pay out. And the Spurs have shown time and time again that they scout very well, they find these young players where other people don't see them and they develop them and they give them the opportunities and allow them to grow into absolute stars. That's what they did with Tim Duncan. That's what they did with Clyde Leonard, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. That is the formula you have to get back to because the Spurs are not a playoff team right now. They finished 10th in the Western Conference standings last year. What that means is you're not going to get the free agents that you used to. You're not going to get guys like LaMarcus Aldridge coming to your team because those older, more established free agents are looking to go to contenders. And the Spurs, they are a smaller market team. And the basic formula for small market success is building through the draft, development. And that's what the Spurs have to get back to if they want to compete in the future. So now that we've discussed kind of the long-term vision for the Spurs, 
what are the short-term decisions that the Spurs have to make now and things that they have to decide going forward in order to enact that vision? Well, probably the most immediate and pressing question the Spurs front office has to face is whether or not to re-sign Bryn Forbes and Jakob Pertl. Because despite being over the salary cap, Jakob Pertl and Bryn Forbes both have bird rights. Now, what bird rights are is that saying that because a player has been with a team for and been playing with that team for a couple years, the team can sign that guy despite already being over the salary cap. And the rationale behind this rule is that we want to allow teams to re-sign their own players because these are the guys that they have spent time developing. These are the guys that they have given a role to, and we want to encourage teams to put that time and effort into the players that they have. Now, while it may seem easy, like, okay, we can sign these guys, even though we're over the salary cap, let's go ahead. There is the caveat of the luxury tax. So despite the fact that the Spurs can sign these guys, even though they're above the salary cap, if they sign these guys for enough money and they go over the $132 million luxury tax threshold, they are now paying a tax to the league for every cent, every dollar that they are over that luxury tax threshold. And when we're looking at the luxury tax, two principles really do apply. The first one is a general principle, and that is that owners are very hesitant to pay the luxury tax for a losing team. And the second principle is a lot more recent based on the current standing of the United States and the world. And it's the reality that a lot of these NBA owners have really been hurt by the coronavirus pandemic. And depending on what owners have their money in, what what arenas, they have their money in outside of the league, they may not have as much capital to pay into that luxury tax. So we don't know what the Spurs owners are really thinking along those lines, but we can assume that if they are strapped for cash right now and they're looking at the roster and thinking we're definitely not making the playoffs next year, and to be blunt, that is the reality the Spurs are facing. They Unless there are significant injuries that happen to a lot of the contenders in the Western Conference, I don't see a path to the playoffs with this Spurs roster. And if the owners are looking at it the same way, they may be thinking, well, why am I paying extra for this roster if I'm not even going to get the extra revenue that comes from playoff seeds? Especially when we're considering that these owners are already going to be losing money next season because they're not really going to be able to have fans in arenas because they're going to have less games, all of that is going to hurt the owners, hurt the money that's coming into their pockets. So most of the owners in the NBA seem to be very hesitant about paying into the luxury tax this season. So what this hesitance to pay the luxury tax does is it's going to make the Spurs second guess whether or not it's worth it to sign these two guys. If both of these guys are at the negotiating table and saying they want nine, 10 million, and that's going to put you over that luxury tax threshold, you only have about $12 million to spend between these two guys. So that may mean that you either sign one and let the other go, or you really hope that you can negotiate both of those guys down to contracts that are way less than they're worth. Especially in the case of Jakob Pertl, since he's a restricted free agent, That means that other teams are going to be able to put out offers and unless 
the Spurs match that offer, they're not going to be able to re-sign him, which makes the scenario of being able to re-sign both of these guys for under $12 million way less likely. So now what would I do? Personally, I would look to re-sign Jakob Pertl. I think he pl- he's the younger guy. He played very well as a center in the Spurs offense, did the job that he needed to do. He seemed like a guy that responded very well to Greg Popovich's coaching. And I like what I see. I think he could be a great center moving forward with the Spurs. And while Bryn Forbes is a very good shooting guard, I already look at the Spurs roster and I see guards like Tamar DeRozan, uh, Lonnie Walker, Jonte Murray, Kellen Johnson can play it too. Derek White can play it too. They have all these guards that can fill the hole that Bryn Forbes is going to leave. And especially since we're gearing more towards the development side, since Bryn Forbes, while he's not old, he's only 27, he is on the older side. So I'd be more willing to let him walk. Also, if this scenario pans out and the Spurs end up below the luxury cap threshold, this is also going to open up another exception for the Spurs in their mid-level exception. Now, the mid-level exception is another exception that allows a team to sign a player despite already being over the cap. But the size of this exception is dictated on whether or not the team is considered a taxpayer. So whether or not you are over that $132 million luxury tax threshold. If you are below the luxury tax, the mid-level exception will be around 7 to $9 million, depending on what the salary cap is next season. If you are over the luxury tax threshold, that mid-level exception is only going to be 5 to $6 million. So if the Spurs decide to only sign one of these guys and remain below that luxury tax threshold, then they could be able to sign another guy using this exception. But the same caveats apply to this exception where it may not be worth it to pay a guy $9 million when you're when that could take you over the luxury tax threshold. So with that, we've answered the questions of who are the immediate free agents that we need to sign now or let them walk. After this short break, we're going to discuss what the future looks like for the Spurs and what players they should try to trade or what players they should try to keep. All with that outlook of how can we build a team for the next great Spurs run. Drawing It Up has been brought to you by our friends over at Don't Know Radio. Don't Know Radio was just voted as a top 10 up-and-coming podcast of 2020. My very good friend David Vogel and his buddy Kevin have created a place where you can listen and feel better about yourself and what's going on. Everyone acts like they've got it all figured out, but these two guys just tell it like it is. You can find Don't Know Radio wherever you listen to your podcast, and make sure you follow at DKRadio11 on Twitter and Instagram, and give them a listen. You won't regret it. Welcome back, everybody. So now that we've gone through the immediate questions the Spurs have to ask themselves about what kind of roster they need to make for 2020-21, I'm going to ask some questions about what the Spurs can do to further fulfill that goal that we talked about earlier, that idea that we want to keep building towards the future. We want to find young guys that may be undervalued and develop them into the players like we've done before and like we can do again. And the two biggest assets that the Spurs have to do this are their two best players that are currently on expiring contracts, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. 
Now, quick caveat, DeMar DeRozan does have a player option for next season, but considering that if he opted out of his contract, he's not likely to get the 27, 28 mil that he would get if he opted in, we can probably assume that he's planning on opting into his contract for next season. Now, while these are the best players on the roster by far, they are the path to building towards the future, and that's going to come through a trade. It's going to come through the fact that these guys are on expiring deals. And when you have stars that are on expiring deals, the most damaging thing you can do to your franchise is to just let them walk. So since both of these guys have contracts that end after this season, and you got to think that unless the Spurs are just throwing way more money at them than they should be, which is a sin in its own right, that these guys are just going to go somewhere where they feel like they can have a better chance to compete. That may mean moving out of the West to the East, could mean moving to a team like the Lakers, kind of be ring chasing. I don't know, but the worst thing you can do is just let these guys play out their contracts and then they walk because then you are left with nothing. Now, multiple reports from teams indicate that the Spurs are ready to be very active in the trade market this offseason. So I think the mentality should be, let's trade one of these guys to a contender. Let's trade one of these guys to a team that thinks that if I just add this piece, I am in the running for that championship title. Additionally, these guys are on very manageable deals. When we're considering that guys like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Steph Curry are making $40 million, the fact that you can add an all-star player for like DeMar DeRozan for $27 mil or LaMarcus Aldridge for $24 million, those are very manageable contracts. So even if you trade these guys and you take on some money, if you're paying a little bit into luxury tax, for a contender, that is a price worth paying. Because from the owner perspective, that price I may be paying going way into luxury tax to sign this guy is probably going to be revenue that I get back by going further in the playoffs, potentially winning a title, because that does draw a lot of playoff money, a lot of revenue into that team. Additionally, the Spurs also have a lot of guys that are also on expiring contracts, like Rudy Gay and Patty Mills that are also on very manageable contracts. Rudy Gay is getting paid $14 million. Patty Mills will be paid $13 million. That could definitely serve as valuable role players coming off the bench for a potential title team and guys that any team in the league would want on their roster. So trading these kind of guys can do two things for the Spurs. First, it can help you build for the future by acquiring young players that show a lot of promise that you have a plan for developing for the future. Second, it could fill some of that uh, gap that we have in the salary cap going into the 2021-2022 season that we know we need to fill because we could fill that with younger guys that are on longer deals. And normally, teams that are looking to trade are looking more for the expiring contracts. The Spurs are in a unique position by being able to trade for long-term contracts. And lastly, since our, our priority now is to develop these young guys, removing some of the older guys from the equation will present more opportunities for these guys like Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson to get on the court and play impactful minutes for the Spurs, which is critical if you are developing a young roster. 
So we got these four guys we want to trade. So what should the game plan be for when we're going to trade him? Now, particularly, I think it would be a bad idea to trade LaMarcus Aldridge this offseason before the season actually begins because he did end last season having to have season-ending surgery. So his value is probably at the lowest you're going to get right now. While DeMar DeRozan, who played fantastic in the bubble, the Spurs had a great bubble run and nearly made that play-in game, kind of on the back of DeMar DeRozan, his value is going to be at its peak right now. You're going to be able to get the most for him that maybe you won't be able to get in the middle of the season. So I think the best Spurs strategy would be to try to trade DeMar DeRozan right now. And then when the season begins, you let LaMarcus Aldridge show that he can play, show that he can do what he does, that he's fine. And then that will draw the eye of teams that are looking to compete for a title that think that LaMarcus can be the last piece. Let LaMarcus early on in the season kind of have a tryout for these teams that might want to trade for him. And I would say the same for Rudy Gay and Patty Mills. Because as a rule of thumb, if you're going to trade for an all-star, you normally want to trade for that guy before the season starts or early on in the season. Because you want adequate time for your team to be able to play with that guy to adjust to his playing style. Because if he's an all-star player, he's going to demand the ball a lot. The offense is going to be run a lot for that guy. And to be blunt, you don't want to do what the Los Angeles Clippers did last season where they weren't really used to playing with each other before the season shut down. So when the bubble started and when the playoffs actually began, when it got into crunch time, when they needed to fight, they didn't. They weren't used to, it was like, who do I go to here? Do I go to Paul George? Do I go to Clyde Leonard? They didn't know. And that's part of the reason they blew a 3-1 lead. But when I'm looking at players that are going to serve kind of a backdoor role to a contender, which that's what LaMarcus at 35 would be doing. That's what Rudy Gay would be doing. That's what Patty Mills would be doing. They would be more plug and play guys. Guys that in the middle of the season, I'm not as worried about getting the team used to having them around because they will have a set role. They will know how to do it. The offense will be dictated through the other stars on that contending team. And then we can just plug these guys in as a better substitute for what we had before. So we have our list of tra- tradable guys right now, narrowed down to one. We have it narrowed down to DeMar Rosen. So to wrap this up, I'm just going to throw some trades at you that I think could benefit the Spurs. First off, we could trade DeMar Rosen to the Charlotte Hornets. Now what we would be getting back is first off, we'd be taking Terry Rozier. That's because the Hornets probably want to move more Devontae Graham into that point guard slot and get off Rozier's contract. While that means the Spurs will be taking on a bad contract, they do fill up that 2021 gap, and the real meat of the deal wouldn't be Terry Rozier. It would be that plus Terry Rozier's contract, we're going to add in young assets like Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, whatever. Just let the Spurs have their pick of the roster and pick the guys that they believe that they can develop. Second, we could move DeMar Rosen to the Chicago Bulls. Now, this may be a weird fit with Zach Levine. But if DeMar DeRozan's able to play more small forward with Zach Levine, I think this could potentially be a good fit. And getting back, I would love for the Spurs to get someone like Laurie Markkinen, Thomas Sadoransky, Denzel Valentine, Chris Dunn. These are all guys that have really underperformed with the Bulls. And I think that in the Spurs development system and on their pops coaching, 
could really come into their own as a quality player. Third, I have the Sacramento Kings. So first off, the Kings are in this weird scenario where they've already signed Buddy Heald to a long-term contract for a lot of money, but they actually benched him in the middle of the season in favor of Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is a restricted free agent this offseason. This has kind of made some malcontents in the Kings locker room, and I think it's definitely something that the Kings, if they want to move their roster forward, they need to get this problem out of the way. And a Spurs trade for DeMar DeRozan could do that. Once again, this would be kind of a weird fit, considering they already got the Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, all these guys. But it could be that DeMar has to kind of find a new position. But honestly, if the Kings aren't thinking that they're going to be in playoff contention this season, they may see this as a way to get off a long-term contract and get cap space immediately after this next season. So this could first take the form of a sign-and-trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich, where Bogdan technically signs with the Kings for a big contract, and then they trade the salaries of Bogdan Bogdanovich or DeMar- and DeMar Rosen. The more likely scenario would be that the Spurs trade straight up for Buddy Heald. Now, I think Buddy Heald is a fantastic player. I think he's a great shooter. I think he has a great work ethic, and I think he's a guy that the Spurs would love to have in their locker room. I think he's super competitive and really wants to win. And I just think the Kings, the front office, the the coaching staff didn't really put enough emphasis on Buddy Heald. And because of that, they've really kind of screwed up the relationship there. I don't think that's going to happen with the Spurs. I think the Spurs would allow Buddy Heald to be who he is and they would allow him to play the way that he is going to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. Now, one that I've given a lot of consideration and one that I think would be super interesting is if the Spurs traded DeMar Rosen to the Lakers. The Lakers could do this by making a package built around the expiring salaries of Danny Green, JaVale McGee, and Avery Bradley, and then send all those guys to the Spurs. Now, the Lakers would include those guys to add up the contracts, but you'd probably be including a young player like, say, whoever the Lakers get with their first round pick this year or someone like Taylor Horton Tucker. And if the Spurs really value those young guys, they could send out DeMar DeRozan for a bunch of role players that are going to be great role models to the young players on your roster. And especially since you're bringing back a player that's won a title with you, a guy that knows the Spurs system, he knows the Spurs way in Danny Green. And I think that would present a lot of value while at the same time allowing the Spurs to get back some of these young assets that they should be looking for right now. All in all, I think it's very important to note that while Spurs fans may be dissatisfied with how last season ended and with their current outlook, there should be a lot of faith in this front office. This front office took a franchise that wasn't much to begin with, drafted better than anyone in the league, and built a team better than anyone in the league to make a 22-year playoff streak. That's something that I'm not sure we're even ever going to see again in the NBA. And it shows that the Spurs know how to do this. They know how to do this right. And it's time for them to do it again. Thank you to everyone for listening. And until next time, this is Drawing it up.